have a busy mind. Maybe some people who are listening can can relate. Like, yeah, I can't shut my mind off. It's so busy. I'm always thinking about stuff. You're listening to the Happy Doc Student Podcast, a podcast dedicated to providing clarity to the often mysterious doctoral process. Do you feel like you're losing your mind? Let me and my guests show you how to put more joy in your journey and graduate with your sanity, health, and relationships intact. I'm your host, Dr. Heather Frederick, and this is episode 51. In this episode, I welcome Michael Roviello. Before Michael graduated with master's degrees in business administration and education, he had a career in the U.S. Navy. During this career, he was deployed around the globe as a helicopter rescue swimmer, combat search and rescue crewman, and anti-submarine warfare operator. After declining a professional recommendation for a second cervical surgery, he explored alternative methods, searching for an answer to his chronic pain, anxiety, depression, insomnia, and neurological issues. Michael's journey eventually led him to discover the Wim Hof Method, a method that has resulted in many beneficial outcomes, all things that a stressed out and overwhelmed doctoral student could benefit from, like pain management, improved sleep, decreased inflammation, clarity, peace of mind, energy, and resilience. He is the co-founder of Optimize, a human optimization center that combines ancient wisdom with cutting-edge wellness technology to bring you back to your roots. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm grateful to be here. I met you a couple of weeks ago at a Wim Hof workshop that you were facilitating, and when I heard your story and also your message about taking responsibility for physical mental, emotional, and spiritual health. I just knew my audience would love what you have to share. So I was hoping we could start with your story and how does it that someone like you ends up helping people understand the benefits of cold water therapy? Yeah, I would love to share my story. Obviously, just like all of us, we have long stories, but I'll skip through the years of kind of how I got here. I'm a New York City native. I was born and raised in Queens and just grew up in that environment. There's so much culture, so much beauty, fast paced. You kind of grow up kind of fast. And throughout my teenage years, I would say I was a little bit unguided. I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I got to a crossroads in my life. I made a decision to join the U.S. Navy and I got recruited to go into their helicopter search and rescue program. So uh, when you get recruited to go into a program like that, that doesn't mean you have the job. It means that you're a candidate. So I went through all of the, the Navy protocols and schools in order to achieve that. As you could probably imagine, all of these schools take time in order for you to actually get to the fleet where you can actually do the job and all the responsibilities. So my first real exposure was directly after 9-11. And we left on deployment to head to Afghanistan in November of 2001. And then obviously participated in what they called Operation Enduring Freedom, which was a lot of stress. Obviously, it's war. It's not just the 
the the fear or the stress of potentially dying, but it's the tempo. When you're at war, the tempo is really increased. So you train for things like that, but you never quite know what it's going to be like. And that was a big part of my experience as a young man, learning a lot about stress. And in our workshop, like I mentioned, we call it embracing the suck. And it's how to deal with really crappy situations. And and my experience was being in the Navy and operating as a helicopter search and rescue swimmer, which was providing support also for a pilot operating out at sea who may have crashed or our special forces units who needed a ride both in and out of hostile territory. And I also got deployed in 2003 when the United States made the decision to go to war with Iraq. So it was a pretty fast tempo for uh, the time that I spent with the U.S. Navy, which had a lot of impact on my life, both physically, mentally, and emotionally. Your body, your mind, your spirit, and your emotions probably took a pretty good beating. They do. It's an interesting dance. Anyone can assume that someone at war or somebody who participated in in kind of a high-risk job like that is going to deal with some sort of repercussions for uh, that sort of training, that sort of environment. Emotionally, I shut off for many years. I think it was probably great for that profession because if you're open emotionally and you're kind of feeling everything, it can be a really difficult job. And I think it made me a great operator. I think it made me a great rescue swimmer. I was very disciplined and I did a great job. But the transition then into society can be definitely challenging. I went from you know, military life to corporate life. So I had to learn a lot about that transition. That was definitely, definitely a challenge physically too. I mean, the physical part's the obvious, right? But mental and emotional stress is one of those things that most people don't factor in. You know, a lot of times um, I notice that people will talk about their back pain. Oh, I got this back pain thing that's been kind of haunting me for a while. And every time they talk, they always refer to the the physical component of it. Oh, I bent over at the gym or I was doing this exercise, all these different physical aspects of it. But in the past, I used to, to believe that. Now I realize that a lot of this aches and pains are psychosomatic, emotional, mental. They're factors into the problem uh, because our muscles are taking input you know, all the time. Our nervous system is, is, is obviously communicating with our body constantly. So it's a big piece that most people don't necessarily factor in or dive into. And I had to learn that the hard way because I did sustain some injuries from the military that I thought were just physical, but they turned out to be physical, emotional, and mental and spiritual, by the way, as well. And so that mind body that you talk about, that's just so important and really understanding how to manage stress and all the listeners are under chronic stress in a long-term doctoral program. It was your physical injury that really led you on this path to understanding how these things all fit together and how you could be empowered to change it. Yeah. So it started out with physical. I had a lot of aches and pains, mainly in my neck and it haunted me for years And when I separated from the military, it started to haunt me more often. 
And so I started just going through all of the Western medicine procedures to try to figure out what was going on. A lot of medication, of course, which was anti-inflammatory. I did some of these steroid injections, epidural shots, basically going to pain management clinics. All of the relief that I got from those procedures were all very temporary. And then eventually it got so bad where the pain actually transitioned into numbness, which was pretty dangerous because I started to lose feeling in my hands and I started to lose my balance. And initially they thought I had multiple sclerosis. The good news was I didn't have that, but what I did have was a choked spinal cord. My spinal cord was being choked and I was losing spinal fluid. Basically I was losing function of my motor unit and it was happening very rapid. So I had emergency surgery. And once I started to recover from that surgery, I started to feel some relief. I started to feel like myself again. And I started to get on with my normal life. At the time I was working for a university and I was also juggling working on a master's degree at night. But about nine or 10 months after surgery, I noticed that all of the same symptoms were coming back. The pain, the numbness, the flare-ups. So once again, I started to do all of the recommended procedures, more medication, more epidural shots. And then eventually it took me back to my surgeon where he recommended the second surgery. And at that point, I said, I had enough. I'm not going to do a second surgery. I'm going to find another way. And I didn't really have a good reason for that at the time. But there was just something inside me, my gut, my intuition that told me to try something different. And I was already dabbling in some other things. I was already starting to learn a little bit about meditation. I was opening my mind up to what we would call alternative and holistic kind of practices. So I decided that that's the route that I was going to go. You went all in, you went all the way to the Amazon. And at some point on that journey, you discovered Wim Hof. Yes, I went all in. I tried a lot of different things. Some things were very helpful. Uh, some things were not so helpful, but that's okay. I think it's important to get recommendations for people and actually give it a try and then know for yourself versus just taking other people's input. So that was part of it for me because I learned a lot through experience and then also from the studying that I was doing. I was reading books. But, you know, they all started to, to cross paths and even the cold water therapy and the Wim Hof method. And you started to see the connection in all of it. And I think one thing about growing up in our society today is that we don't learn very much about our body. You know, we go to elementary school and you learn what you need to learn in elementary school. And then you go to middle school and you learn what you need to know there. You go to high school. I did an associate's degree, an undergraduate degree, and I did two separate master's degrees all at night while I was working. So I learned a lot of stuff. But what I didn't learn about was my body, how this body functions, how to take care of it. I didn't learn much about what I like to call our software, which is basically our mind, how the mind works. So if you don't go down these rabbit holes on your own to learn, you're just never going to get the lesson. So this was my lesson in understanding anatomy, physiology, not only from a Western scientific approach, but also taking into consideration Eastern philosophy 
and also taking into consideration Native American philosophy, which unfortunately isn't talked about very often. A lot of times people talk about the East and the West, and it's like, okay, what about the other cultures out there that have also been doing life for thousands of years? They have their own perspectives on wellness and mental health and physical health and spiritual health. And because I was living out here in Arizona, I was very much attracted to Native American culture. So I started to learn a lot about their practices and not just necessarily about Native American culture, but indigenous culture. And we're all indigenous. At some point, our ancestors lived an indigenous type of lifestyle, whether you come from European bloodlines or African bloodlines or Asian bloodlines or Native American bloodlines. We were all indigenous and have more in common than we think. And Wim Hof method, cold water therapy, will speak specifically about that, although there's mindset techniques and also breath work, but we'll focus on the cold for today. It's not some new fad, although it is relatively new to our consciousness and we are relearning about the benefit of cold water therapy and building resilience because our comfort has made us weak and sick our addiction to comfort, should I say, and a big part of the Wim Hof method is learning how to be uncomfortable is really old and ancient techniques. The Quieros, which are descendants of the Inca in South America, have been using cold water therapy for thousands of years. The Romans, Egyptians, we had practitioners in the late 1800s. Any direction you go, if you study, you know, anthropology and culture, you'll start to find that they were using some form of cold water therapy as a physical practice or as a spiritual practice. And that made a lot of connections for me, but not only the history and the origins of it, but also the way it made me feel instantly. And that was very powerful and very effective. So I want to stop and say, if the name Wim Hof is new to you, I'm going to have a link in the show notes where you can watch a short video about his story, because that would be a whole nother episode. But I love this idea of taking something that was ancient and applying it to our modern situation, right? I mean, if there's ever a time where you are going to be constantly uncomfortable it's when you're working on a doctoral degree. There's not many things that I can say are always going to happen during this journey, but feelings of discomfort are a guarantee because you're being asked to do something you've never done before. Now, people at this point, if they're not already familiar with cold water therapy, are probably going, what the heck is it? So why don't you just give us a little idea of what, what cold water therapy entails. Yeah. And I like the point that you just brought up about being uncomfortable. And, you know, what you're referring to is a lot of mental stress. You know, when I was working on my master's degree, I was doing this at night. I mean, I was working during the day and it was like a lot of extra responsibility at night. There's a lot of mental stress. And in our society, we're very much trapped in our mind. We forget to kind of get into our body. We got to get into our body. We got to use our body. We're always very much rooted in the analytical mind, solving problems. And that causes a lot of stress. And we feel that stress and we deal with the, the, the anxiety and uh, anticipation of problems that come with that. 
and the fears associated or whether people go into bouts of depression and things like that. So transitioning into cold water therapy, I'll be able to, to link this all together. Cold water therapy is something as simple as being in cold water. And you can do that a few different ways. You can take a cold shower, which obviously is very uncomfortable. People don't typically choose to do that. A warm shower feels a million times better. So why take a cold shower, right? If you have access to warm water and you may have seen people on social media, or maybe you've seen an article about people going into the cold ocean, some sort of polar bear type club or people in an ice bath, it's obviously gained a lot of momentum. I would think that most people at this point have seen somebody doing that and probably asked why. We're grateful because we have warm water, but just think for thousands of years, and, and still in many countries around the world, they don't have access to warm showers. So they take cold showers as part of their routine. It's just what they have. So that is a comfort that we have hot water heaters. Cold water therapy can be as simple as taking cold showers, but cold water therapy is a very complete practice for me. I see it as a physical practice, as a mental, emotional, and spiritual practice all in one. There's a term I'm going to throw out there that your audience might be familiar with. It's called hormesis. And it's the what doesn't kill us makes us stronger kind of stress. So you can look at as kind of like a good stress. Sauna would be also a perfect example of a hormetic stressor, even exercise. We all know that exercise is good for us, but when you do exercise, it's stressful for the body. But what happens when you exercise? Your body reacts and adapts to the exercise load that you have put on it. And as you increase your intensity of exercise, your body responds, ramps up growth, builds new muscle. Whatever you're, you're asking your body to do, it will react and adapt. Cold water therapy is very similar. It's a hormetic stressor. So you're training your body how to adapt and react to stress in a positive way. When you step into a cold bath, a nice bath, or even stand in a cold shower for a few minutes at a time, what's happening is your nervous system is dialing into what we would call the sympathetic nervous system, also known as like the gas pedal of the nervous system, the fight or flight. And it's a very uncomfortable place to be because essentially you feel a level of anxiety or some people can refer to it as like a, almost like a panic and your breath changes. It starts to become shallow, all these types of things that would occur from being in a sympathetic tone in your nervous system. But what you're training your body to do in cold water therapy is actually go from sympathetic, use different techniques to dial it more into the parasympathetic, which would be referred to maybe as the break of the nervous system. And it's something where we get into the more relaxed state. So one of the main benefits of cold water therapy is you are training your nervous system, how to go from fight or flight into parasympathetic, into calm, using mindset techniques and changing the way you breathe, which gives your nervous system input. So you're using mental exercises and also using your breath, the way you breathe to influence the nervous system at will. 
And that's very powerful because you're doing that at will using free techniques without having to use some sort of molecule, which we live in a world where we're addicted to molecules, coffee, alcohol, medications. We're always trying to change our state through use of molecules rather than tapping into our own inner strength and changing our state naturally. So we've got this free accessible method where we can be empowered to train our nervous system to go from these states of stress to calm and overwhelm, which would be a great tool to have if you're working on your doctoral degree. But I have to tell you, Michael, the first time my friend Greg Bradley said, Heather, you've got to try these cold showers about five years ago. I said, you're nuts. I've got hot water. (laughs) Why on earth? Would I choose to stand under cold water? So there's actually a lot of science out there now to back up these ancient practices. I look at the wellness world as really interesting. We're, we're going through kind of a renaissance right now in, in our world. And it's, it's really beautiful to watch. It's, it's beautiful to be part of. But we think we're so smart. You know, we have gadgets and technology and these great things that, that make life really easy then why are we so sick? And we're also not just sick, we're also really stressed, really, really stressed. So I made a comment earlier, our addiction to comfort is making us sick and weak. So one of the the benefits of doing, say, cold water therapy, something even as simple as cold showers, is you're building that resilience, something that we've lost, that mental resilience. Humans have been around for thousands of years. We've walked across continents We've sailed across oceans into the unknown. We've done a lot of things. We're really resilient. We're really tough, but we don't act like that anymore. And if you look at the wellness world, most of the gadgets and techniques that are out there are really just getting us back to our more primal nature, whether it be grounding and learning about the science of grounding, or now they have PEMF mats, which is pulse electro magnetic fields technology, which is basically the same energy that we're getting from grounding, but it's a gadget, right? We are using saunas, which our ancestors were using sweat lodge or in uh, Mexico, they use something called Timascal. A lot of the things that are happening, whether it be the yoga movement as well, is really taking us back to our more primal human self. But I'm happy to talk about some of the benefits of cold water therapy. I think a lot of people listening are going to need some convincing. (laughs) Okay, Michael, this list is going to have to be pretty compelling if I'm going to turn that hot shower to a cold one. And then once we get through all the benefits and we have them convinced, you can walk us through how to actually do this. Sounds good. Yeah, PhD students, they want to know the science of how things work. And I can appreciate that because I'm that way as well. But also what's really powerful is you have to experience it. I mean, you can dive into the intellect of all of this, why it's beneficial, but experiential learning, right, is really powerful. And combined with knowledge is is really where wisdom comes. So it's really important to experience these things and to push ourselves into the discomfort because we all know that that's where growth is, right? Growth is on the other side of discomfort. 
if we're comfortable all the time doing the same routine, the same thing, we're not necessarily going to experience growth. And I can appreciate the students that are listening to this because they're obviously doing something uncomfortable. They're looking for growth by taking on this challenge of completing something very, very difficult that very few people uh, actually get to complete. So if they look at with, with those pair of glasses, then maybe they'll see some, see the same benefits, but let's get into a little bit of the science. So First off, our bodies are really smart and we have to learn how to trust them, number one, okay? Our bodies are really intelligent and there's a lot of intelligent processes that are happening all the time. We know that, but sometimes we doubt that, or should I say our mind will doubt that. So when you first step into cold water, what's going to happen? You're going to have shallow breath, right? You ever put your foot into a cold pool or kind of get in slowly to a cold pool, or turn the dial cold on the shower, your breathing changes immediately. We know that. So the nervous system is going sympathetic. We're going into fight or flight. And when that process happens, our body starts to dump something called norepinephrine or otherwise known as noradrenaline. They can research that and you can see what the properties are of norepinephrine. They have a direct impact on mood. It's a fight or flight hormone. It's a neurotransmitter. You're going to get a huge dose of that, especially in a nice bath. They say it increases two to three fold at 40 degrees for 20 seconds. So just think of the two minute ice bath that you did not that long ago. That's a big dose of norepinephrine. And one of the properties of norepinephrine, or I would say maybe nootropic kind of benefits of it, where it changes the mood, it's a very powerful anti-inflammatory. And what it's going to do is suppress any of the pro-inflammatory cytokines. And inflammation is a big problem in our society. It's a cause and root of pretty much all disease. It's what makes us feel lethargic. It's what's causing the aches and pains. It's obviously taxing on our immune system, all of that. So your body is a pharmacy. It's one of the best pharmacies there is. And when you put your body in the right condition, you will create all of the different medicines that exist out there. And uh, norepinephrine is one of them. So think about the anti-inflammatory benefits. Then we'll go into circulation. We have close to, I believe, 100,000 miles of circulatory system. Like it's hard to fathom that. And it doesn't even make sense how there could be so much of that entangled inside of our bodies that aren't necessarily that big. But think of all the plumbing issues that we run into, especially later on in life, circulation issues, heart issues, cardiovascular issues. If our plumbing system is not working right, we're going to have trouble. And when you start to practice with cold water therapy, what you're achieving is kind of a training of the circulatory system, because when you go into anything cold, you're going to have the vasoconstriction that occurs. And then when you start to warm up, everything starts to dilate, open up again and doing hot and cold training, which is something that's really common in Roman bathhouses, Turkish bathhouses, Korean bathhouses. They knew this, they were smart that they knew that training circulatory is very important. So think about the benefits there. There's also metabolic benefits by boosting metabolism because your body has to use internal mechanisms to warm up. 
And there's also a weight loss piece of cold water therapy because when your body's cold, it really has two ways to warm up. And this process is called thermogenesis. And you can either shiver, which is like a kinetic energy to utilize the muscles to warm the body, or there's another warming mechanism called brown fat or otherwise known as brown adipose tissue. And brown adipose tissue is something that we have lots of when we're babies, but because we live in temperature controlled environments, as we get older, we lose a lot of that brown fat. And essentially we just have lots of visceral fat, which is problematic for cardiovascular disease, diabetes, um, all the metabolic health issues that we have in our society. So when you're cold and you start to rebuild that brown fat again, which is basically just highly metabolic fat, it has lots of mitochondria. It starts to use the visceral fat, which is the problematic stuff and convert it into heat. So you can actually decrease visceral fat by practicing cold water therapy, cold showers, putting yourself in cold environments in the winter time, obviously all in a safe and controlled way, but our bodies adapt. If you put them in the right conditions, that's what we do. We adapt. If you're always staying safe and comfortable then there's no reason to adapt, right? There's no reason to. Just like if you sit on the couch and you watch TV all day and you don't move your body, your body's not going to need to build a bunch of muscle. What's the purpose of having a bunch of muscle to use the remote control? So we have to push our bodies in different ways. And there's a lot of other things that come out of this that are highly beneficial because when you start to use discipline as your teacher, and you start to work with mental, physical, emotional resilience, you start to feel good. Happiness can come from working in these processes. And I would challenge everyone to do a cold shower. Start your day off with a cold shower and tell me how you feel leading into your tasks for the day. I guarantee you'd be very happy with yourself that you challenged yourself and that you overcame that before you started the all the to-dos that we have in our society for the rest of the day. So you highlighted what goes on physically that leads to some clear physical benefits for the body, but there's research out there regarding clarity, focus, lots of things that the listeners are also looking for, right? So yes, we want to take care of this body, but we also need to be able to tap into the best part of our cognitive functioning and cold water therapy can help with that as well. A quick question I had was, is there anyone who shouldn't do this? Yes. So remember, what we're doing is choosing to put our body in a state of stress. So pregnancy and ice baths, not the best idea. It's a lot of stress for the body, a lot of stress. It could be potential lot of stress for the baby. Two, people who are at serious risk of cardiovascular disease, right? If they have clogged arteries and different things like that, they have a lot of problems with the heart. Any sort of narrowing or constricting of the blood vessels can be really problematic. People with pacemakers, right? So anything associated with serious heart disease and heart issues, those are the main, main drivers of people who should be more cautious. Pregnancy, definitely no, or 
people who should really consult with their doctors first to say, hey, I'm going to start practicing cold water therapy or cryotherapy as a tool for mental, physical health. And what do you think about my heart health? Is it strong enough? And they can give you recommendations on that, of course. Yeah. So hopefully all the listeners heard Chris Capanelli's episode where he said, you need to get a physical and you need to know the state of your body while you're in a doctoral program. So if you have any concerns, check with your doctor, but let's say you don't, or your doctor gives you the thumbs up. Okay. Here we are, Michael. First thing in the morning, we're going to force ourselves to be in the situation of stress so that we can overcome it. We could have a big, huge win at the beginning of our day, along with all these other benefits that we're getting. We all know that when we do something challenging, we just get this great rush of self-satisfaction, self-love, call it what you will, that we did that. We committed to that. So you're starting your day with something difficult, which typically will translate into, hey, if something comes throughout the day that's a little difficult, maybe it's a bad phone call, a bad email, you can react to that very differently. You're not so triggered. You're not going to be so emotionally triggered because you started your day off with a cold shower. You already challenged yourself and now your body's kind of more prepared to deal with what we would consider stress. And everybody has a different view of stress. Stress is, it's very personal. What something you might think is very stressful could be something that I don't find stressful at all and vice versa. So that's one of the biggest benefits. You are starting off your day, choosing to do something challenging, and that will translate and pay you dividends throughout the rest of your day. One, two, you're going to go into the shower and I would say, let's start off really easy, right? We'll just start off with 30 seconds. And 30 seconds might seem like an eternity, but you start off with a warm shower. Just take a normal shower. Just do what you have to do. Wash your hair, wash your body, be comfortable. But when you're getting ready to leave the shower and it's time for you to get going with your day, you're going to turn that knob cold. And as you turn that knob cold, immediately you're going to have that cold water hitting the back of your neck. That's typically what I will do. I will stand there with a shower facing my back, taking a warm shower, I turn cold and I know here it comes, right? Five, four, three, two, one, and the temperature changes. Immediately your breathing is going to change. You're gonna to start to get that panic, that shortness of breath. What I want you to do is really focus on that. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to take a breath in through your nose slowly. And I want you to exhale very slowly by extending your exhale. So maybe two seconds in through the nose, extend your exhale, four to five seconds. By extending your exhale, you are driving the nervous system into the more parasympathetic. So that's really important. You're just focusing on the inhale, the exhale, the inhale, the exhale, the inhale, the exhale. That's a great way to focus your mind. This is a breathing technique. Instead of thinking about all the different things that our mind wants to go to, you're just directing that energy, that mental focus to the breathing. Just by doing that with your eyes closed, automatically you're going to start to slow your brain waves down. You're going to start to move from, say, that high beta brain waves into 
the direction of what we would call the alpha brain waves by closing your eyes, connecting to your breathing, slowing down your breath by extending your exhales, automatically it will start to feel better. The third thing you're going to do is you're going to mentally let go. That's the key. Everybody has a different key to unlock there because some people really want to control everything and it's very hard for them to let go. I have a technique that I like to use to help people to learn how to let go. And what I teach them is mantras. It helps to relax the mind a little bit. So I like to stay with I am, and then you get to fill in the blank. So maybe at this point in your life, you need to let yourself know or have this self-dialogue that I am safe or I am strong or I am loved. And you're just using that mantra. The I am is a very powerful vibrational frequency, just those words over and over and over again. So whether you use a mantra, whether you use a prayer, whether you use an affirmation, it's the repetitiveness that's really the key here. So all you're doing in that cold shower for that 30 seconds is you're slowing your breathing down. You have your eyes closed and you're using your mantra. That's the key to get yourself out of fight or flight into more parasympathetic. And then you'll get to a place where you're like, yes, the shower is cold. It's not extremely comfortable, but guess what? I'm okay. And I'm strong and I'm not going to allow this cold shower to defeat me. This cold shower is not going to defeat me. I'm going to sit in it and I'm going to be okay. And because you're getting the cold water on your neck and on your back, you're obviously going through some of the other physical benefits that we talked about. You're getting a release of norepinephrine. You're getting some changes in the circulatory system and all those different things that will occur. So there's my tip for the 30 second cold shower. And then with practice and time, you get to move the needle a little bit where you go from say 30 seconds to one minute, maybe one minute to two minutes. And you really start to challenge yourself. And I guarantee you by doing this in the morning before you start your day, it will pay you dividends, not only in energy, feeling more energy when you get out of that shower, but also in how you react to stressful events that occur throughout that day. It for me has been like the ultimate chill pill. (laughs) I mean, and it's not just a play on words here. It completely transforms the way that I interact with my day. But I want to start by saying I could not start with 30 seconds, Michael. I was really proud of myself when I did 10. (laughs) When I first started cold showers, I was like, woo, I conquered 10. And then I went to 15 and then I went to 20. So if you're out there listening and you don't make it to 30, I didn't either. I started slow. But is the ultimate number that you're working towards two minutes? Well, what we teach in Wim Hof Method is ice baths. Obviously, we graduate from cold water into the ice bath and we do two-minute ice baths. So yeah, I would say that's a really good goal to accomplish a two-minute cold shower. I mean, you might get to a point where you just become so comfortable in this process that you say, you know, my shower is cold and I'm just going to finish my entire shower cold. I did this one time. I challenged myself as I really got into this work. I shut the hot water off. I didn't give myself an option. There was no option to turn it warm. I made that decision because this was a way that I was going to improve my mental resilience for the entire winter. And 
I was forced to basically have that cold shower. And I'll tell you, it wasn't easy. There's days that I wanted a warm shower. It's cold in the morning. You get out of bed, you're chilly. The last thing you want to do is take a cold shower. But I challenged myself that winter. I left the heat off, which I can do that in Phoenix. Some climates, you can't do that. I left the heat off in the house. And I'll tell you, it paid me a lot of dividends. It made my shower shorter. I saved on a lot of water, that's for sure. But also, I just felt great about the fact that I don't necessarily need to thrive in comfort all the time. I can thrive in the discomfort and that that's going to show up in other areas of my life, which it has. And that just helps to build confidence, build resilience, and also belief in yourself as well. So it's just an amazing tool that's free to us that we can use to challenge our mind, our body, and our spirit. And although two minutes may be something great to work up to, I just want to let the audience know, usually I'm doing about 30 seconds and I feel different. And I'll put links in the show notes. If you feel compelled to do some more research on your own, of course, I always encourage you to do that, but have the experience right? We spend so much time as students in our heads, so much time disconnected from our body. We just use our body to carry our brain around, have the experience, tap in, tune in, see what it does for you. I actually read some research and tried it out that taking a cold shower before bed helped your sleep. And I found that to be true too. It's so interesting that you do it in the morning and I have this boost of energy But then when I do it in the evening, it's incredibly relaxing. It's like the body is just finding this balance with this technique. Like you said, it's a primal ancient technique that people have been using that we're just now kind of rediscovering. We're just rediscovering it. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, homeostasis is what we're all trying to achieve and stress basically takes us out of homeostasis. We can't avoid stress. Stress is inevitable. It's everywhere. It's around us. We can't hide from stress but we can train with stress to react to stress in a positive way. Cold water is one of those uh, techniques that we can use. And what's wonderful about it is that it helps us to find homeostasis a little bit faster and faster every time, because ultimately we want to, as humans, we want to be resilient. We want to be able to feel stress, right? Because it's going to happen, bad conversations, work issues, dilemmas, you name it, right? It's not about pretending that stress doesn't exist or that we are Superman and Superwoman and that we don't feel stress because that's not true, but it's about how can we find our way back to balance as quickly as possible, find our way back to homeostasis. And you're training your nervous system how to do that every time you get into that cold shower and you, you test yourself. So it's a good tool. And I love what you just said about we treat our bodies as it's just this device to carry our brain around. Mental stress is one of the biggest obstacles we have in our society. I have a wellness center called Optimize. We have a lot of different natural techniques that we use, and we work with all of our members on how to train for stress. So guess what? I get to see a lot of things that are pretty much repeated in our society, in our communities. And one of the biggest things is people can't get out of their head. The amount of mental stress that they have, their inability to kind of connect with their body. 
just stuck in the thinking, 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 analytical, or what we would call high beta wave brain. So they're getting poor sleep. And then the chronic stress, uh, what comes with chronic stress is then chronic inflammation. And then that just starts to be a downward spiral into autoimmune and, and other more serious things as well. So yeah, it all starts with um, self-care and, and wellness. And it's really, really important to put that as a high priority for all of us, and regardless of what we're doing, whether PhD students or, or not. This is one of those episodes that I hope the audience shares with anyone they know who's living in a human body because they could use it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and I want to say there aren't many things that take me completely out of my mind immediately in a cold bath. Michael is one of them. I mean, it is, it is like a light switch. There's a reason for that. So I love that you said that because I have a busy mind. Maybe some people who are listening can, can relate like, yeah, I can't shut my mind off. It's so busy. I'm always thinking about stuff and maybe I have a hard time settling down or Maybe something that you've faced in your life is dealing with a bit of anxiety. I know I personally have. And when I got into cold water for the first time, I said, oh my God, I feel so peaceful. That makes absolutely no sense. Why in the world would you feel peaceful being in an ice tub full of cold water? Let's just pause and take a second here, because if your mind is thinking about a future event right? That can lead to anxiety. If your mind's constantly thinking about a past event, that can lead to depression. And we all know that the power is in the present moment. So something about cold water or an ice bath makes us feel very present. And it makes sense because it's very much right here, right now. There's no room to think about what you need to do later or planning or what you should have done yesterday or last year. It's very much right here, right now. It puts you into that meditative state. The cold is an amazing teacher. And what it does is it helps to take your brain waves and dial them all the way down from the beta brain waves down to the alpha. And you can get really into theta brain waves, which what we would call that relaxing, meditative, highly suggestible state. So there's some science to really support why it works so quickly as crazy as it sounds. And I think most of the audience probably does have a busy mind. For those of you, especially, I know I've got people who say, I can't sit still with meditation. My mind doesn't want to go there. And if it's safe for you, if it's safe for your body to do this, we want to challenge you to give it a try. Maybe some of the mantras would be something like, I am strong, I am confident, I am smart. Let us know how it goes. And I'm going to be sure to link to Michael's studio, Optimize, so that you could check that out. I know it's become an important part of my self-care routine. So thank you for that. And thank you for being here today. Awesome. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate sharing what I've learned over the years with your audience. So thanks again. Thanks for listening. And I look forward to connecting with you on the next episode. The Happy Doc Student Podcast is brought to you by expandyourhappy.com, and you can learn more there. Oh, and hey, if you want to make my day, would you rate, review, and subscribe to the show? One more thing, just a quick reminder that the information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only.